Boss. I'm your host, Shauna Ginsberg. With me today again, our pretty much like permanent co-host now, Trudel Perret. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Shauna. How are you doing? I'm doing well because obviously I, I got the memo and it's Hoodie Friday and we're both sitting here in our hoodies. Um, really, really kind of dark, muddy colored hoodies. I feel totally in my element in black and forest green. You look like you're wearing a dark gray. These are quality colors. I don't really go beyond this, frankly, when it comes to colors. Like, I really am not very um, outgoing. Um, Well, except that there's a lot that you can do with, like, very few colors. And if you only have a few colors, like, I I watch these creators on, like, TikTok um, because I, I sort of like watching them put together outfits. It's very soothing. Also... If you haven't, you should follow us on TikTok. Um, But they always, all these, like, TikTok creators that are in sort of, like, fashion talk will, like, talk about how you can put together a capsule wardrobe with, like, just, like, very few clothes and, like, minimal colors. Um, And they're they're super nice. Like, they look great. And they they look really creative. Like, they have all these different designs they can use. So it's kind of fun. That's so cool. I'm just not that into wearing a color palette because I feel like I take on the emotion of the color that I wear. So if I go outside of like muted colors and black and white and gray, I go, I don't feel purple all day today. How am I supposed to wear this all day? I just take on these. And I don't know why I associate colors with, with certain moods, but I do. And I go, I don't think I'm yellow today. That's fair. Like it really takes a lot to like, really want to rock like a print or a bright color mm-hmm. um i sort of find that the opposite's true for me though like if i'm wearing gray all day or i never get out of my sweatpants then i feel like somehow like less productive um i'm a big color person so i i wear a lot of colors i also highlight a lot you know it's my thing that's really interesting well you know i'm a color person too but i think i view what i do in my day as adding the color to my day so i want a blank slate fair yeah okay. And we do have a colorful day. I mean, this is the middle of the day. I'm sandwiched in between, you know, business development meetings and tutoring sessions and more tutoring sessions and consults. And so, you know, here we are. This isn't a purple part of the day. If I was wearing purple right now, it might really impact the quality of this podcast. (laughs) Which is actually, I think, a really good sort of like underrated point that you were talking about bringing up for our myth buster today. You're totally right. Should we do it? Should we do it? Well, why don't you, why don't you go ahead? I don't think you've actually articulated a myth in at least two episodes. And since I'm wildly inconsistent with these podcasts, I think it was like six months ago. <laughs> All right. I mean, this is a lot of pressure, but I think I can handle it on a Friday afternoon. Okay. So the myth is that it doesn't matter what you wear when you study. Um, and I think this is a really good myth because it can be something that, like, um, you can think, oh, you know, I, I really just have to sit down and study. Like, I, I'm going to do it in my pajamas. Like, I got to get it done. It's something that I need to do. Um, so you can put that pressure on yourself to sit down and study um, in whatever it is you're wearing. But if you're wearing something super uncomfortable or just, like, really not great for focus for whatever reason, maybe it's a bright color and it's distracting you, um, then that can really, you know, hinder your studying and Mm -hmm. create a lot of problems. 
problems. I, I totally agree. In fact, the Germans, and I might be mispronouncing it, but they have this word called Feuerbend or Führerbend, and the idea is, and correct me if I'm wrong and email me and tell me that I'm saying it wrong or whatever, but the idea is that they care a heck of a lot about transitioning in and out of activities, and the process of transitioning can be its own event. Especially, for example, let's say you bike to and from work. So you have to take off your work clothes and put on, you know, clothes that you're going to bike in. And then you have the experience of biking. And that transition is a really wonderful one. And I think it's a really important thing to have a Feuer bend or a type of, um, of uh, ritualistic tradition when you have to go into things that are very stressful. And you can do that by, you know, first and foremost, not waking up with a to-do list in your head, but instead say, okay, I've got to go to the gym by 10.30 a.m. I've got to do my meditation by 1 o'clock p.m. I have to begin studying by 1.30 p.m. And then when you're ready to do those things, let's say you're getting ready for your meditation period, maybe you boil yourself a cup of tea, get into your comfortable pajamas throw on your fluffy bunny slippers shout out to hot shots part one and do if anybody even knows that and if you do i'm so glad that there are people in my generation who want to go to law school thank you for listening (laughs) wear wear your comfiest most um uh sentient self sentient beings meaning you know you're fully aware of your senses right how do you feel how, does, how do your clothes feel when they're touching your skin? Do you have a tag in, in your back that's that's driving you nuts? Because if you do, you don't sound focused on the inference question in front of you. So, you know, wear your clothes well. Wear what you want to wear. And I'm telling you, there's no point today that Trudell could possibly persuade me to start wearing purple when I study. Because you and I both know I'm just not going to feel good. Fair enough. You know, yeah. purple's not for everyone. Uh, a, a thing that you can, uh, that's kind of similar to this too, that um, is really popular as an idea around this time of year with New Year's resolutions and stuff is like habit bundling. So if you like always get a cup of tea every day and you want to start meditating, you add the meditation onto the end of the tea ritual. So if you already have some kind of ritual, you can add in something pretty easily and it's like sort of bundled with that other habit that's already set for you. Um, so it can help you to get started in something. I love combining economic principles with behavioral and ritualistic um, shifts because it makes sense. There's va- there's very clear value to it. And behavioral economics, frankly, is a lot of the ways that we manipulate people to do good on test day and to shift away from emotional reasoning. So, um, yeah, cool MythBuster today. Well, we're ready to get into one of Trudell's favorite question types it's the resolve explain question and i don't know if she's excited about it simply because she's a nerd for this test or maybe she's excited about it because she just got into nyu law school and knows obviously that her you know her stuff doesn't stink and she knows what she's talking about so um i think that some really like humble non-arrogant resolve explain stuff should come out of Trudell's mouth today so I think I might just like pummel her with pop quiz and, and see how she handles it <laughs> all right I'm ready um, I've, I've got my best bunny slippers on so you know hazing is one of the oldest rituals and I just feel like it's a ritualistic kind of day right <laughs> I'm ready. all right well um resolve explains in truth are 
kind of one of my favorites too because I grew up this nerdy kid on road trips in the back of my parents' car with my siblings, uh, probably sitting in the middle sometimes and probably not even caring all that much because I would have this puzzle book that would have logic problems in it. And when we ran out of that, we played these puzzle games called 21 Questions, which was a game that you played by talking with your family members out loud to solve puzzles. This was before phones, so it was a different time. And five people sitting in a car actually had to get along or you know risk your mother saying don't make me come back there and break you two up or your your father saying if your mother has to come back there you know I'll pull the don't make me pull this car over so there was a lot of threat to to get along and so 21 questions was a great game and 21 questions is a lot like resolve explain which is not intended to rhyme as a slant rhyme but it did I don't know if you caught that so Here's how Resolve Explain questions work. Same way as 21 questions. You're given this dilemma, this puzzle, and you're you're just throwing up your hands going, well, how can it be that this thing, let's call it A, is happening, and this thing, let's call it B, is happening at the same time? Because I never saw that coming. I never saw that coming. And the 21 questions was, um, I would say, a little bit of a, an easier way of playing this game uh, because you got to just ask a bunch of yes and no questions. You got to ask 21, as it turned out, to try to crack the puzzle. So one of the puzzles that we grew up learning was um, a uh, man and his uh, his wife went on a cruise to – a private cruise to Antarctica with a private chef. After he returned – the man went to a restaurant and ordered the penguin soup. He took one bite of the soup, went home, and killed himself. I should have given, like, a disclaimer, like, be careful. We're about to talk about sensitive topics. I'm so sorry. I hope that didn't upset you, but this is totally fictional. So we can use the how can it be question to help us kind of generate some yes and no questions. Well, how can it be that a guy goes on a cruise with a wife and a chef, comes home, eats at a restaurant, shoots himself. Can ask all sorts of, or goes to a restaurant, eats penguin soup, and shoots himself. You can ask all sorts of questions. I could throw, uh, or actually, you know, since it's Trudell's day, I, we can ask Trudell to just throw some yes and no questions at us to see if she can get to the bottom of it. Any questions, Trudell? Yeah. Uh, did they have any penguin soup while they were on the cruise? No. No. Interesting. Okay. Um, did his wife come home with him? No. Okay. Um, and honestly, I, I think even just those two questions give me a lot of information. Tells me, one, that it's possible that maybe he brought the chef and, um, you know, the chef, um, really was there to make them foods that were not penguin soup like they were going to antarctica they like looking at penguins but they didn't want to see eat the penguins mm. you know what i mean mm. um and then if his wife didn't come home with him then um that could lead us to think that there's something kind of tragic going on right potentially yeah i mean so- it sounds like you're you're going after this very kind of yellow jackets type premise where you're like if they weren't expecting to be carnivores and the wife isn't there anymore then at least something went down, you know, involving potentially carnivorous activity and wife, right? 
Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Do you remember this one when when I taught you Resolve Explain way back when? Do you remember this riddle? Do you remember how it ends? I do not remember this riddle. I don't even I, I don't. Are you ready? Okay, oh, my ready. gosh. Uh, it's, I mean, I guess it's possible that we didn't because we could have just jumped into the how can it be test and we didn't have, I didn't get to, you know, have the fun of, of teaching you the really uh, sadistic solution to the riddle, which is, um, so if you ask enough yes and no questions, you start to discover the wife isn't there for a reason. The wife isn't there because she's died. But if they didn't plan on eating penguins, it's not quite clear what the chef planned on feeding everybody, but we know that if the wife died and they didn't eat penguin, well, they had to eat something. And we don't know why the wife died, but she did. And we know that the guy had a pretty averse reaction to penguin soup. And if you have to ask enough questions, you might ask, well, if he didn't eat penguin soup before, is it possible that he had to eat a person? And then you can get to a yes. Or is it possible that he had to eat his wife? Yes. Did he know that he was eating his wife? No. Okay, so let's say you're a guy whose wife died, you were served something from a chef, and then you go to a restaurant and you order the same thing that you thought the chef served you. What if the chef served you what he said was penguin soup? And then you take one bite of penguin soup. NYU Law, do you have any idea what the uh, the yes, rest of the yes. riddle goes? He discovered in tasting the penguin soup that uh, the penguin soup, supposedly, that he had been eating all along, um, really was not actually penguin soup um, and was like probably something a little bit different and uh, more nefarious and related to the disappearance of his wife and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. therefore he became very upset realizing that he had eaten his wife and actually an important thing that I want to point out is that I made an assumption here which is a really good point I feel like about resolve explain questions that you actually really should try as much as you can not to make any assumptions or at least identify your assumptions and confirm them if you can or understand how they interact with the answer choices so I assumed in you telling me that there's this guy he had his wife and a chef and they went on a private cruise I assumed that this is like a person of substantial means and he brought some food with him from home and that that was what they were eating on the cruise. But I should have asked that question and confirmed it and not assumed um, Mm. because that led me not 100% astray, but at least slightly astray. Right, right, right. Yeah. And and when you hear cruise, you definitely think that these people are not scavenging, right? You, You just presume everything's okay. But that's the fun of the 80s, guys, because in the 80s, we could let our minds wander through 21 questions of nonsense because there was no internet to wander through. There were no rabbit holes. And so you were left to your own devices and what you could conjure up. Um, so that was that was a famous one. And it's very similar to Resolve Explain. In fact, the example I'm going to tell you now about a Resolve Explain question, the punchline is equally kind of dark and gruesome. Maybe not equally, but it's still a bit dark and gruesome. So there's this question that you're going to see. Um, it's in Volume 5 of the LSAC prep tests. It's probably like prep test 64 or so. And um, this question is about uh, a group of scientists that are taking some measurements on beak bird, uh, the beaks of birds. And so what they do is they grab like a, 100 birds and they tag 50 of them and let them stay in the wild. And they, they keep another 50 captive. And they measure their beak size at the beginning. And obviously, you know, there's an average at that point. And then they come back like after the season. And 
I take back the tagging of the 50. They didn't tag 50 wild birds. They just measured 50 wild birds, but they kept 50 captive. And then they came back at the end of the season and they did measurements again. They measured the average beak size of the birds that were captive. They measured the average beak size of 50 birds that were just right around there that were wild. And they discovered that the average beak size of the wild birds had decreased. And they want to know why. And they give you five possible options, right? Only one of them, though, will actually resolve what we call the how can it be test. The, well, how can it be that the wild bird beak size is going down, but the captive bird, the average beak size is going down, but the average captive bird beak size is staying the same. And so when you analyze these answer choices, you have to look for the impact on both sides. We want one to stay the same and one to have an explanation for why it's decreasing. Do you remember this one, Trudell? I do not. Oh, it's such a dark punchline. So here's, here's the scenario that you can imagine. What if it's an especially rough winter and it's hard to find food? And I don't need you to go cannibalistic on this one. It doesn't go that dark, okay? But what if all the birds are trying to find food and it's really hard to find food and then the only food that you can find are in little nooks and crannies, just teensy tiny little nooks and crannies. And so that favors the small beaked bird. And when I say it favors the small beaked bird, what do you call a large beaked bird in the wild that can't find food? Trudell? Yeah, that, um, that is a dead bird. That's a dead bird. Yeah. Nature is Thank you, NYU, for that especially nerdy side nugget. It was very helpful for us to all understand why birds die <laughs> and what happens over time when the big ones die. <laughs> also, so is it just that every time I get an acceptance, my name is going to change on the podcast? <laughs> I hope you have many name changes. And I'm really curious what name we end up with at the end. But that will have to wait for uh, season three. Yeah, and season three, we might be calling you, what's up, Stanford? How you, how you doing, Harvard? <laughs> it's, it's, a very, it's a very cool thing to be on this journey with Trudell, and I, I hope you all are, are enjoying it, too. You know, when she started on this podcast, she made it very clear to everybody that she had not gotten into law school yet, but she was still giving advice on a podcast and it's really cool to see that all of her hard work is paid off and that she continues to to give back and you know she works with a number of students each week and we're really happy to still have her with us for the time that we have because as you may or may not know when you start your first year of law school you're not actually allowed to have a part-time job at the same time I know it wasn't the same and maybe it's only at the top schools but I know that wasn't the same at least when I had to go through because I was hustling and still tutoring and I had a research assistant position and you know I just had probably way too much going on but you know we're just we're just really excited about all things law and we're really excited to see what Trudell is doing and Trudell is also helping us edit our LSAT boss curriculum we'll be shopping it hopefully to publishers later this 
here and hopefully we'll get all of that out of Trudell before we lose her to insert law school here. We'll be back with season three and we're really excited to, to make a big shift because we've been spending all this time moving you through our logical reasoning curriculum, which of course we, we love and we, we stand by, but there's so many other good things to be talking about. We're going to be bringing in guests to speak about issues that are related to our clientele. So we're going to be talking about anxiety with anxiety experts. We're going to hopefully be talking about things like behavioral economics with folks who study behavioral economics. And it's really going to help you to have a fuller understanding of all of the different elements that go into optimal test taking. And Trudell's certainly a great example of, of putting all of those elements together from, oh my goodness, your ritualistic meditation. I, st I tell people about you to this day. I go, you don't want to meditate? Let me tell you what Trudell did. And she got a 177. You know, your existence is very persuasive and it's a great role model for others. I, I hate to keep going on and on, so I, I will stop gushing. But we're very proud of you, Trudell, from the, our entire community. Congratulations. And here's to many more acceptances. Thanks. Well, I absolutely cannot have done it without you and, um, you know, have to say this, you know, it, it, um, this absolutely works. This, this whole method of really, you know, I feel like the way that we think about and talk about anxiety a lot of the time is, um, you know, that we have to get rid of it. There's all this. And then it sort of adds extra anxiety and extra stress to think about. I have to, I have to control this. I have to figure it out. I have to like solve it. And really, if you just kind of learn to manage it, you learn to live with it, you you know, treat it as, you know, kindly as you would treat yourself because it is part of you, um, then you can have really, really good results um, in test taking, in law school, life. So, Well, with that, we're going to wrap up this wonderful episode. Thank you so much for being a part of this again, Trudell. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, don't forget that you can get our entire LSAT Boss curriculum on Teachable, you just head to our website, www.ginsburgadvancedtutoring.com, and it's 33 hours. It worked for Trudell, so it can't be that bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, have a wonderful week before our next podcast comes out. We hope to bring them more consistently as we move forward. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you for our over 16,000 downloads from, I think, over 40 countries. We are really happy to, to have you a part of our world. Um, and keep studying on and study well. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks, Shana. Thanks, everyone. Bye. May not always come to plan Sometimes I don't know what to do I just wanna be free Fly away, birds and bees Fly through the trees Right by you, you by me Everything This podcast has been brought to you by Ginsburg Advanced Tutoring. Find us on the web at www.ginsburgadvancedtutoring.com.